0: you've chosen to tune in to DLC, special. you are one of our geeks and sneaks using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run, making your life better, we're going to help you the only way we know how, by being in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes of gaming goodness, because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week, delivered the way we love it to be, and that is completely free, thanks to our sponsor this week, Squarespace. Squarespace! Squarespace brings the show to you. You'll see, of course, the show, all about games in their many forms games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. Also, games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff canada that's spelled with two N's and one T. And I am joined, as always, by my friend slash co host slash nemesis, the guy who is officially suspending his campaign,
1: Mr. <laughs> Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Hello. Wash your hands. Keep your yeah. hands away from your mouth. Yeah. Vote.
0: Not necessarily in that order, although that's a very good order. I would say also wash your re- hands and after repeat. You vote. Yes. Yeah. And
1: repeat. And yeah. repeat and repeat.
0: Yes, indeed. Uh what a what a what a time to be alive. And we're gonna get to all of that because there's tons of news. There's tons of world events that are impacting our little hobby here in video games. Um, and we have maybe the best guest to talk about all this stuff with (laughs) you know the dlc always stands for your downloadable canada and your downloadable christian but this week i am so excited because once again dlc stands for denoting your location currently because from waypoint we have senior reporter patrick klepek back with us patrick it has been too long how are you
2: it has been too long it's been a couple of years i think so we gotta we're gonna shorten it up. up on the next one
0: I looked it up. Uh, it was 2016, and March of 2016, the last time you were on. So we have not, uh, we have not spoken on the show <laughs> in the Trump era.
2: <laughs> well, I was on your other podcast, though. So I've, right. I've, I've swapped parallel worlds. I just haven't been on this one. That's right. That's right. Uh, well,
0: we're very excited to have you back. And, Thank you. Uh, it is, a, it is a weird week. So let's let's jump right into uh, the show and start the way we always do with story of the week. Story of the week it's the story of the week. Story of the week gets the story of the week. Story of the week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happen in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration by visiting our subreddit, that's five by five dlc.reddit.com, or by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. Love hearing from you there but patrick you are our guest you get first pick of stories so Ooh. what would you consider to be your story of the week
2: well as someone that spent four hundred dollars at costco as i pre- prepare for the coronapocalypse um <laughs> um it was it's been hard as a you know reporter for the last two weeks to to not really think about the um well they're Characterizing it as a postponing, but I will I will call it a cancellation of the game developers conference that was supposed to happen in um the middle of March. Um but they have uh chosen to uh push that back to the summer. You know, who knows what that event will be, but uh the the big annual sort of gathering of developers press uh there's an award show there's presentations you know it's maybe maybe that doesn't have the biggest uh attendance count um compared to other you know sort of fan conventions but it is one of the most important um dates on the gaming calendar especially for a generational switch year and uh to have that canceled uh due to the coronavirus concerns after a bunch of people pulled out is uh you know i think a lot of a lot of us probably expected it but i still found it genuinely shocking when it actually happened
0: I did too i was I was shocked when I read the news i mean we we talked about it last week because the dominoes were already starting to fall last week at this time. Uh, Sony pulled out and you'd heard rumblings of some other um, some other publishers and developers not really wanting to subject their employees to the travel or really being in uh, you know a compressed space with a whole bunch of other people from all around the world
2: well so who wants to be the one student like that 's the, the impression I got from talking to a lot of developers and publicists over the, the the week as people were basically trying to like put tweets to the wind which was like a, a they were trying to put their finger to the wind through like a tweet to be like is anyone else going are, are you yeah. canceling and it was you know getting to the point where you know i was taught in uh, the, the the story i wrote for for waypoint was um one high profile developer was uh they subsidized a bunch of their employees to go to gdc and if you're some of that's people who are doing presentations some of it's people who are um, you know, just, hey, you should go. And like, we want to encourage people to go. And then there's also people who can go out of pocket. And it got so weird and they weren't quite sure what was going on where they were pulling out the employees, but then they were also going to cover the folks that went out of pocket because it seemed unfair given how late the decision seemed to be coming from the event organizers but then also they said well but if you still really want to go you can go but also we're going to have a policy where you like can't come back to the office for 14 days afterwards because the incubation period and so it just got to the point where nobody really knew what was going on and you, you can know you to had-
1: gdc and get a va- free vacation <laughs>
2: it seems like that's what some people are some people you know if you work for like a high profile developer like i'm referencing you've got someone financially backing you if you choose to to not go or don't want to go anymore but that's not the case for a, a lot of you know smaller developers i heard from uh this uh tiny developer based out of uh india in which they were like hey we've already committed financial resources for four people going and they were asking me privately in a in a in a message like should we like what can we do and i was like i don't you know i genuinely didn't know what to tell them this is prior to the cancellation and you know my guess is there will still be events it sounds like there's going to be um various funds and fundraisers put together to try and help folks that have been financially distressed um that don't have big companies or travel insurance they can rely on but um you know it's 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 both scary and you know potentially a sign of various other impacts that could come to the games industry throughout the year because i you know you know, you know, I don't have any wood next to me, but I'd be knocking on it, um, that it, this all becomes just a, a bit of an overreaction. But it's, I don't think it's too early to start speculating or worrying that it's going to impact other big parts of the gaming calendar. And, you know, there aren't many years bigger than years like this. Right.
0: Yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, it's a big story. And there's a couple of facets that I want to dig into a little deeper. I've been reading a lot of your reporting on this and, and others. And one of the things that I found interesting, I mean, before, obviously, the the uh, 1,000 foot view of this is we're not going to really be talking about coronavirus or the, you know, the global ramifications. Yes. It's, it's scary. And there's a whole lot of discussion about that. We're focusing on the video game aspect of it. So, you know, listeners just be aware that we're not, you know, we're not doctors. We're not (laughs) experts, (laughs) but I think that the video game aspect is fascinating. And some of the stuff that I was reading about the, the days leading up to this decision to cancel, it seems like it was really, uh, they were going back and forth. There was talk of it being a virtual conference for a while where they would do everything online and you could watch um, you could watch presentations
1: virtually and then they wouldn't have travel. Yeah, I mean, but then would, every presentation had to start with, hey guys, what's up? You know,
0: <laughs> like and subscribe.
2: Because um, <laughs> that's, that's, that's what I've been hearing privately was um, that – you know, the, the a lot of the public-facing cancellations were exhibitors or big companies that weren't sending their employees. But what I'd been hearing privately as GDC was trying to sort of confer internally what to do was the schedule had gotten so bleak um, that they were reaching out to new people to try and fill the schedule. And that once – what I was hearing from multiple sources was that – However bad it maybe seemed about like the expo floor or like it was far worse than even publicly had been indicated. um, And that, that put them in a position where it was impacting the product, you know, for people, I mean, GDC for a lot of people is reading, you know, uh, you know, a lot of people listen to the show is reading like press previews of games or panel write-ups. But for folks who are attending for like the network and socializing aspect, you know, a the cheapest possible pass, which is just to go to the expo floor, which is basically mostly to, you know, chat with uh, studios that are looking to recruit, that's over $200. And that's before you factor in, uh, you know, going to San Francisco with hotels and travel. And, like, I lived there for, you know, almost 10 years. And that Very was before cheap. it got as bad as it is now. Um, and the most expensive pass to get access to everything is more than $2,000. Um yeah. Um, and the impression I was told from uh, a source that was pretty much was familiar with GDC's, GDC's financial history was that a significant portion of their like overall revenue year to year are those passes. So, yes, you know, they've been criticized in the past for how much those cost. But I mean, the, the reality of at least how they've structured the economics of GDC is that those, you know, 1000 to $2,000 passes that a lot of big game companies buy subsidized a lot of what allowed GDC to exist at all.
0: And I think that's probably why you're seeing them say it's a postponement. (laughs) Right. Yeah. yeah. They're hoping they're hoping (laughs) to figure out a way to make this thing happen. But I I'm with you, Patrick. I I don't see a scenario where this a I mean, I'm hopeful crossing my fingers, but it certainly doesn't seem like this coronavirus situation is going to be any better come June, July, August uh firstly, and secondly, it, I mean, it's already a crowded time for gaming. The mm-hmm. idea of of putting this together, finding a date on the calendar, getting everyone in lockstep to make it happen. It just feels like a herculean task. what's
2: e three you know e three, which then we I'm sure we can get to that and whether that's, you know there, there are gonna be open questions about whether e three will have, but you have even just think about the calendar if it's stuck to to where it is. e three, you know, is the middle of June. Con, which is now a heavily video game. Um, convention, especially this year with the the new machines, like that's early July. PAX is uh, early September. Um, you know, Evo for Evo, like stuff. it's like Incom, we're just where do you yeah. slot in GDC yeah. in a way that um it's not a fan convention, right? It's an industry right. convention, so maybe it goes in August, but it's just it gets messy really quickly. My guess is they do do some sort of event to sort of save face, to give um to try and recoup whatever cost they can, and then just punt to next year for a more Uh, proper event. Um, But yeah, you're, you're absolutely right, Jeff, that it's a, it's a total mess.
0: Last thing before I go to Christian, what is your feeling, Patrick? I mean, you've referenced this a few times about this being a very, very big year. We got new consoles launching. It is that big generational shift year where every event feels like it's, it's leading up to fall. What do you think the impact on the industry is from a, from a GDC not happening?
2: It's GDC itself, probably um, from a high level perspective of a lot of like the the big developers, your big notable ones, like not a big deal. It is f- for them um, to some degree uh, an opportunity to share what they know. But a lot of studios do private events. You know, I had heard um, a number of studios will fly out uh, developers to do internal presentations about their development history, especially if they're working on uh, an upcoming project that... May involve you know similar sort of lessons learned from another studio. So there are ways for certain studios to kind of like figure that part out if they were looking for the educational aspect. But for you know a lot of people, it's younger developers, independent developers. Um, they rely in places like GDC for networking, for mentoring, for going to to bars, to coffee shops, to tea shops. Like it, a huge part of GDC is just meeting people, and so it's hard to really put your finger on, oh, uh, you know, the 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 domino effect of this is, um, you know, X, Y, Z, because I think it has ramifications that go years past or things that are ephemeral. Um, because, right, you know, right. when you have places that primarily are networking, it's like, well, how do you, you know, did, did a deal get closed or did a developer get in a chance because of staying out to a bar to have a drink to one in the morning? Or was it, you know, it's just hard to know. But that those are the opportunities they're lost for small developers, students, um, you know, GDC has been criticized in the past for um, trying to cater to an international audience and then taking place in one of the most expensive cities in the world in a country uh, in which uh, right now there, it is is really hard for a lot of international developers to even get visa approval, which is, was a problem uh, prior to the Trump administration has only been exasperated uh, by the Trump administration. And so uh it's tough, um, but it's. I, I think it uh, certainly puts, uh, at the very least, um, you can say a lot of people wondering what does the rest of the year look like, even if even if they're trying not to quite hit the panic button uh, just yeah. yet.
0: Christian, this is pretty wild. You know, we were you and I were talking to a uh, a board member of GDC who, even the day before the announcement, was saying, "Oh, they're not going to cancel. They're not going to cancel," uh, and then it canceled. I mean, these things escalate so quickly. Do you think we're looking at a year? I mean, obviously, we've talked at length on the show about even just shipments from China and uh, all the manufacturing logistics that are going to be complicated by this stuff in, in a year where people are going to be theoretically buying lots of new hardware. Do you think we're about to see the whole year just go haywire because of this?
1: I think there might be... I. I... My guess right now, if I had to guess, and it's just a guess, my guess is that the Series X and PlayStation 5 both still launch in 2020. I could see both being more supply constrained than they otherwise would have been, but I think both will want to make it to market this year in some form or fashion, um, because I think without that, that affects even bigger dominoes uh, in terms of what that means for game. I mean, that really pushes a bunch of things and plans, I think, um, you know, who knows what happens, but if E3 is kind of canceled or shuttered this year, because of this, um, I think that is a nail in its coffin. Potentially. I I have the full faith that GDC will bounce back next year. If that's when it happens, you know, whether they do a summer thing or not, um, E3 already feels shaky. And if it doesn't happen this year, I think that you'll see people next year positioning to kind of either, hey, we didn't go then, we don't need to go now, or, or, or launching you know, a rival live stream or fan event or whatever it is. And so I think you'll see things like that. But I think, I think consoles will still come out. I think games are generally still going to come out. But I think you might see su- supply constraints that maybe other- otherwise wouldn't have been there. And I think my prediction on price points uh, <laughs> might be off, um, depending on what you need to pay to secure or what they already did pay or maybe need to pay to secure positioning and manufacturing lines to make sure they have the resources available to make these things. I, I, I think also you're going to have smaller developers looking at E3 or PAX and other conventions and if they haven't already arranged travel, they might be waiting. Cause I do think as Patrick mentioned, a lot of people um are kind of have been bit. I I, I know, you know, I, I'm sure we all do personally, people that were traveling internationally for this and they didn't buy the full refund kind of travel insurance because who does? <laughs> you know, most of the <laughs> right, time. Yeah, right. And some people are still coming and just it's just a vacation now, because what are you gonna do? And so I think you might see people being a little more cautious going into E3 and PAX and maybe even Evo um, as this as this um, continues to spread. And again, wash your hands. Don't touch your face. It, it. I don't think there's anything we can do to stop this thing, but all we can do is flatten the curve. And by doing your part to protect everyone else, that's how we're going to flatten the curve and make it a less serious thing than it otherwise would be. Um but it's it's tragic right it's it's truly tragic and i and i feel for you know the what meggy mega indie booth is that gdc mega booth indie mega booth
0: i mean we usually have our our you know i usually have um
1: there's yeah there's always breakout games that come out of that that get a lot of attention um the first time mortal kombat 10 nine when they first rebooted it as patrick mentioned that was one of like the private suites that was where i believe netherrealm first showed that all those years ago when they rebooted mortal kombat and i got to there's stuff like that that you don't necessarily read about that week because we were all under nda for a bit for a lot of it but it gets things the hype train going and it gets them you know gauging that type of initial feedback and a lot of that stuff, I'm curious how developers are going to handle that, meeting other people, getting ideas out into the world, um, sharing of knowledge. A lot of it is other developers and these these um, panels and stuff are really sharing information. And Epic always has a big thing. Ray tracing was last year. Like, where wh- where is that knowledge going to be shared and how is it going to be shared? And I think those are maybe the longer term ramifications of all this.
0: Yeah, and you know I don't want to be alarmist or or go down a rabbit hole of of paranoid thinking, but it is not too difficult to see a pattern where you know lost revenue, the travel industry sort of if the specter of this thing lingers for any prolonged period of time, and it it, it you know they're saying it could be a year before there's a vaccine, and if we see this this panic set in and people stop traveling and people stop. You know, going to certain restaurants and going and buying certain things, and all of a sudden the economies start really reacting, and the stock market continues to do what it's done all of a sudden you have this this entertainment hobby that's tied into tech and tied into disposable income it is it's a little scary to think that what could happen over the next eight ten months um I, it's it's going to be fascinating to see, and I, I certainly hope that we'll be laughing about this at the end of the year. As one of the <laughs> stories, you know, I, I hope it. I hope so. But um, you know, it's it's serious. It's serious. Um, the good news is, at least as of now, um, they still plan to stream the GDC awards and the uh, Independent Games Festival awards. So I guess those awards are still happening, uh, and I hope. Uh, I hope we get to see those and you know, those are some of my favorite awards uh, of the year for in video games. So we shall see. All right, Christian Spicer, what is your story of the week?
1: Oh, I mean, it's hard to, you know, get excited after this. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> you gotta get a downer part out of
2: the, you know, out of the way first. That's why I just, you know, took the hit on it. And it's like, okay, nowhere to go, but up from here.
1: There
0: you go. Yeah. Right. Exactly.
1: Um, I'm just excited that in the United States where we all are, that, um, we have paid sick leave so you don't have to go to work. <laughs> when, uh, well, I think because I'm crying. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yes, there's not a great transition to any of these other stories. So wash your hands, don't touch your face, um, you know, do, do the right thing. And I, I'm sure everybody listening is. And so thank you for that. And kind of, I think what was maybe a buildup to GDC uh, this year. Beforehand, Microsoft released a whole bunch of specs for the Xbox Series X. Um, A bunch of it came out on their kind of own press release website. And then Major Nelson uh, discussed more on um, his podcast. And I feel like, I feel like this is still Xbox reacting to the Xbox One's launch with one the negative reaction that um, the gaming community kind of had to it and two, how many questions they couldn't answer after they announced these big features where it was like, you'll and you'll always have to be online. Well, what does that mean for this? (laughs) Okay. And um,
0: you're saying this is proof that they have their ducks in a row.
1: They're really trying to prove they have their ducks in the row and they're trying to prove open and honest communication and that they are for the you know the gaming community they're they're trying to do everything they can to prevent something like sony's here's how you share a game on the playstation 4 you know style video where it's they're being very upfront about uh some deep level features and then some more broad community focus this is why this is going to be the best console so to get through some of those um 12 teraflops it's a lot of teraflops definitely which, know what that means
2: and uh, I'm an authoritative uh, expert on teraflops and 12 is a lot and so it's more than 11 you'd rather you'd rather have 12 than not 12 and so I think it's a wise decision on Microsoft's part to to, to settle on 12 I've always been a fan
0: of a baker's dozen teraflops you know what I mean? <laughs> that's 13 though Jeff is that a baker's dozen
1: yeah it's 12 the baker gives one.
0: himself an extra one is that the deal
1: yeah <laughs> oh i i I did not know that i believe so it's like yeah give me baker's dozen you get like the one like you know um Um, while all of those jokes are warranted i will say as just like a big dum-dum over here uh i'm glad we have teraflops to talk about i miss like this is 16-bit this is 32-bit like (laughs) i don't know what flops do but i like knowing like between the xbox one or the xbox 360 and the xbox one it was just like this game can actually do 1080p 30 or, you know but it it, it still well, I,
0: at the risk of getting angry emails i will say we do know that it is floating point operations and it's it's basically yeah. the 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 ability of a processor to do a lot of computations very very fast
2: yes but it's also like silly because like our our point of uh comparison for specs is a pc and consoles are not pcs because they are closed boxes and so like the specs comparisons are also like tough to like really get a handle on like what does it practically mean for game development because if you were to build a pc with these specs that's not that's it's a different development environment in which like games are built for a pc and in which you have like far more variables over what a person at home might have and so it's like yeah it sounds powerful but like i've you know after the whole you know uh uh you know a lot of debates that happened over the last generation i just sort of like i don't know it's gonna look nice i will leave it to digital found once digital foundry came along i was like you guys got this you know exactly what you're talking about i will embed the video in my article and say they know i just think it looks pretty and i will happily skim that article Uh looking for graphs. oh (laughs) ray tracing it's pretty lighting is how i call it
1: yeah (laughs) well i can say this out of these uh, announcements that are maybe things that us general folk can understand they say the gpu is twice as powerful as the xbox one x that's something that I feel like most of us can picture sure. to kind of understand what that is. Um, it is going to have hardware-accelerated ray tracing, which allows the GPU to focus just on screen, so you're, you're not. it's not bogged down. It's kind of like the current NVIDIA RTX chips. Um, the SSD is going to be faster in terms of response time, so hopefully it will mitigate those load times even for bigger... Um, you know, more powerful games and not just running old games. And then there's other stuff too. go, go read the full press release. But the other thing that us dum can talk about that I think is very interesting is what they're branding smart delivery. So quick caveat. I love when you brand things because then it gives an easy way to talk about it and also then makes other people need to talk about what they're doing in relation to what you're doing. And I mean this sincerely, like when Apple branded their displays retina display, it just meant for dum-dums, like, hey, this looks sharp enough for whatever. And then Samsung has to come out and be like, well, our display is actually, you know, this by this by this. And I'm like, is it retina? <laughs> <laughs> like, what, what is that? I don't know the numbers. I just want to know retina. And so with smart delivery, uh, Microsoft is branding this. And I think this will be beneficial for developers as well, maybe even the bigger part of it. But as consumers, it means that if I buy Halo Infinite or, or um, Cyberpunk and I buy it on my Xbox series X that I have in the living room, but then I have my old Xbox one uh, in the bedroom or whatever it is. If I buy it on the series X, I get that version of the game. And then if I, I can go play it on my old Xbox and it will, it won't say like, sorry, you don't own that game or like buy another copy. It'll be like, Oh, here's the Xbox one version of that game. And I can now have that version and I can play it. And I think, how it helps developers is kind of you can release for all intents and purposes one package of a game and xbox will handle all of that stuff and if that means that's kind of the proof is in the pudding of their idea of um you know backwards compatibility or supporting across generations i i i love this idea this it's something sounds, that i genuinely get excited about
0: it sounds more like forwards compatibility it, it, it's it's like there's this thing that works on a low end Xbox, but we will deliver you the, the one that has higher res textures and knows that you have a higher capability Xbox, like a series X or a one X, all these, this family. And I think that's why it's all starting to come clear, become clear. What, they were talking about when they said, Oh, the name of the new box will really define how it's going to be. It is a series. They're talking about Xbox as a series of devices and you buy the game for Xbox and it works on whichever in that series of devices that you happen to have. And it tweaks itself. The software does to give you the best version of that software on whichever device you have. So it is a lot like a PC when you have, you know, it, it, detects your settings, whatever, and it you know changes all those settings in your graphics options menu based on what it detects your PC can do. I think that's basically what's happening here, except they are fixed states that can be really optimized for each fixed state. So you have your Xbox One, you have your Xbox One X, you have your Xbox Series X, and
1: so on. I assume there'll be more after that. <laughs> you got to have the um, Y and the Z, you know, they're not. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I think it's exciting. And I think you might see versions that are um, specifically tailored toward xCloud as well, right? So it knows, what, so it maybe has these bells and whistles or a dozen or because of your connection, it now serves you this version of the game. And I think for a console that's trying to bridge this generational gap in, in an interesting way, that's not just, you can play your old games on it. It's your old games will look better on it or go ahead and buy Cyberpunk now on Xbox One and know that when you get the series X, you're going to get that better version of it. And you're not waiting. And I don't, this isn't going to be every game that will do like a full upgrade or whatever. Uh, CD project red said they, they will, but you're not waiting for rockstar to release, you know, the Xbox one version of GTA five. Um, I think that tech is very exciting and I'm curious to see how many devs actually support it.
0: I suspect <laughs> there'll be a I'll be a lot of game without ray
2: tracing game with ray tracing. I'm down uh, for that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about smart delivery, Patrick?
2: I think it's fascinating because the games industry historically has done a really poor job of sort of like establishing and sort of respecting its legacy. I think Nintendo as a company in the in the past has had hardware that, you know, can play older games. They've tried to make that like a selling point of, of, of reasons to sort of like support uh, Nintendo devices. Um, but that's not. Really been the case with um, a lot of other platforms, and you know, part of the reason I think PCs have retained a lot of their appeal, you know, especially I think in the last ten years or so, when a lot of folks have been investing in PCs as it's become a little bit cheaper to 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 get one, is that you know what you buy sticks around forever. And actually, when you buy that new graphics card, it just what it just magically looks nicer. And so you know, the PCification of consoles has been a long time coming, and more or less asserted itself as a practical thing with the PS4 and the Xbox One where the sort of like hardware architecture allowed itself to just be consistent going forward. Like they were laying a foundation where, like I don't expect there to be like, you know, a cell chip like on the PS3 in the future, something that just sort of throws off the ability for older games to to play nice. You know, who, you know I'm not saying that'll be the case for forever, but it seems like there is sort of an idea being laid here where look, like, when you buy the game here, it should work on the next thing. And because I think, you know, all of us are guilty of being either suckered in or wanting to purchase a game multiple times on multiple devices. And I absolutely think, you know, developers should be rewarded for that labor. Like, I don't think they should just give a, you know, port a game for free and some you should just get that because you bought it once. But I do think there is... um you know, I think all of us who've been playing games for a number of decades, is like a little tiredness over like, great. Well, I did want to play that again, but I don't want to pay for it again. And um, it'd be nice if I could just play it on this new platform because I did pay 60 bucks for it here. And so the idea of this is being established as more of a a norm, whether it you know, leads to every game getting an, an upgrade, I suspect will not be the case. I, uh, I would imagine that Cyberpunk is not necessarily an exception, but I do think there will be games that charge for that. I don't think it'll be full price, but I think it will be reasonable for a developer to say, "Hey, we've put in meaningful work into this upgrade. Hey, if you pay 10 bucks or whatever, you know, I'm pulling that, you know, um uh, out of thin air that hey, do you want to play this next-gen version? You can you've got you've bought your digital copy, but for 10 bucks more, you get all these great visual upgrades." I think that would be like pretty reasonable, and I think a lot of people would be pretty into that idea, especially if they're not having to purchase the game um, all over again. So I'm really excited about it. I just think that people should maybe, I have heard privately that Microsoft is really pushing this. So I do think, especially at launch, it is going to be like a huge thing. And on their side, I'm genuinely curious whether that means it will also happen on the PlayStation side um, or if Microsoft will try and make this part of, you know, their services push where, Hey, you know, we're you buy game pass and maybe you get access to a bunch of these, you know, uh, Series X upgrades or or you can pay for them. But, hey, you get into this Game Pass universe, you buy Game Pass Ultimate and you get all these upgrades that come with it. You know, I don't know how exactly it'll play out, but I wouldn't be totally shocked if Microsoft makes a big push for this and makes it try to be not just uh, something that is a tit for tat with Sony. But, hey, this is a reason to buy an Xbox because, look, you're going to get these upgrades uh, along the way it does make a lot of sense in the game pass universe.
0: Uh, if you're thinking of Microsoft as really putting the a GPU. lot of that. Yeah. Well, it, it, <laughs> what's funny, the GPU, I get it. The game pass. I didn't universe, mean yeah.
2: that. I didn't mean for that to be two layers of a joke, but I will, I will, yeah, I will it, take it. It, it. it confused
0: me at first. And then I got it <laughs> uh, well, it's because I was going to say also that I, there's a, I agree with everything you said, but there's also part of me that thinks it's hilarious that CD Projekt Red gets headlines on all the sites saying, buy Cyberpunk on Xbox One, get the upgrade to Series X for free, because it's a little bit like saying, buy Cyberpunk on your 1080 card get the 2080 version for free, <laughs> right you know it's the it's the same thing it's like well obviously I, I have the thing i'm just upgrading my device that's playing it uh but we are conditioned for that not to be the case in the console world and i think this is really becoming you know uh dennis dyak's one console future you know we're finally we're finally there well, i'll be curious kind
2: of- because th- the reason it doesn't work on consoles is because they're not modular right so like pc games are developed with the understanding that the the people playing them have modular hardware like you don't know exactly what they have so you have to program it in a way that is dynamic and accounts for different CPUs and GPUs and whereas a console has is you know is a fixed device and so right. I'll be curious you know with cyber what, what CD Project Right seemed to be uh, suggesting was like oh we've we're going to build something like we're going to do work that makes this better because of this hardware it didn't seem to be suggesting that hey because microsoft is releasing more powerful hardware for free the hard the games will just run better now right, I, right i'll be curious if we can get to a world where that's possible i that seems uh maybe uh uh, uh more magic but the way i have you know again no one don't go write a headline about this because this has happened to me in the past when i don't caveat Oops. things to Now, um like be. well like, like the earliest things i heard about the playstation five years ago was that like you know backwards forwards thinking was a huge part of like their platform and like they were looking into technologies that could like take your old games and make them look nicer without developers having to do the work i do not know if that will be part of the playstation 5 i've i have no idea but i know that it was like you know like in talking about like how do we think about a new piece of hardware wow if we could do that wouldn't that fix a lot of problems and like give developers you know like ease a lot of headaches and so that's not what smart delivery is it does seem to be just like hey we can make it so you buy one and it'll just pick the best version for your box but i think you know the you know the the the, the sort of like the, the golden thing would be if somehow these hardware manufacturers could find ways to emulate how the pc works where you can get you buy one copy and when you buy the new box it performs better without the developer having to put in the work to do that and maybe they still do a patch that you pay for that's like hey if you want like the really nice refined version we put programmers and you know audio people on it but otherwise like eh you know you'll get a slightly nicer version of it by just buying the new box you know i'll be curious to see where all that all that stuff lands
0: yeah i mean i i don't know how it works again this would be
2: this is the kind of thing that a GDC clears up <laughs> <laughs> well, GDC is where a lot of these presentations happen. Like when I uh, broke the news on the PS4 pro uh, uh, a couple of years back, like I'll, I can't remember if this was written in the story or not. So I, you know, it's, it's been a number of years since, but like I had been hearing about the PS4 pro for a while and then was, was actively writing a story. Cause I was getting ready to, to publish something, but we were, you know, we, it was working with uh, a number of different reporters at Kotaku to try and like just nail it down, like, you know, get a, a fourth source, a fifth source. so We feel just really good about it. And um, I was in the middle of like editing a piece with Jason Schreier and Steven Satillo, And then we uh, had another uh, reporter that was at GDC and they just pinged us and was like, hey, so I was standing in line to go to a bar and I heard some people in front of me say like, hey, were you in that presentation for the PS4 Pro? And like, I had heard from a separate source that, that was maybe going to be the name, but we weren't going to write it in the story yet. And then once we heard that, I was like, oh, cool. Like, we're good to do that because <laughs> some random developers were just talking about it. But it's like GDC is where a lot of private meetings happen, especially in a year like this, where they're... You know, a lot of developers have, you know, dev kits, but a lot of like finalized decisions start to happen GDC leading up to announcements at E3. So it is absolutely true, Jeff, that like this is like in that window where you start to hear a lot more about like, well, what did they actually come to a decision on what they're going to do? Yeah. And the presentations at GDC
0: often are, are more of those nitty gritty. I mean, they're talking to other developers. You're getting that more chunky, granular information about how stuff actually works. So, again, you know, I would love to know exactly how it works, but and again, I'm sure I'll get lots of emails from actual developers telling me I'm wrong here, but <laughs> my, my understanding is that I mean, a lot of Unity and um, and uh, Unreal Engine and uh, some of those real robust engines kind of do that right now, right? Where they take, they allow developers to not have to worry so much about all the different crazy skews that their games are going to be played on. They It just sort of adapts on its own. I am not on its own. They do have to do some work. Well, but you, know, like,
2: I, you can export to different platforms. Like, we are moving right. in a direction where th- it is less the case that you have to do as much work for, you know, a d- different platforms. It's one of those reasons where, you know, uh, when platforms do specific hardware things that are trying to be unique about their device – It's, you know, like when Sony was coming out talking about early PS5 stuff and saying like, hey, we're not going to have load times in our video games because of, you know, trickery we're doing with SSDs and stuff like that. It's like, well, okay like let's pump the brakes a little bit, because if Xbox chooses to not make that a priority in what they're doing now, it does seem like they are doing that. But like, had they said, actually, that's not as big of a deal of us, we're going to go after 60 frames a second or whatever, like whatever thing you want to pull out of a hat. It's like, well, any third-party developer is not going to invest the resources to have one version of their game have no load times and then have a clearly inferior version of the game on another platform because that's not how third parties work. They try and make them to be the exact same thing unless you have like an early PS3, Xbox 360 era where companies like EA do not know how to program for the PS3 and so the PS3 versions are just terrible because they didn't know how to do for it. But otherwise, it's like the reason these platforms tend to be similar except for services or UI is because that's like the best thing for third parties because that's what they look for.
0: Yeah, it, it does seem to me, and, and again maybe I'm off base on this, but it does seem to me like at least in the short term, what we're gonna get, at least from Microsoft's side, is games that work on current gen. And then next gen it will be higher frame rate, shorter load times, uh real-time ray tracing and it'll just be like, yeah, everything looks prettier is faster is better, but it doesn't, the game isn't fundamentally any different. It's just like putting in a new graphics card on your PC or, or, and other things, you know, new hard drive, et cetera. So it's going to be fascinating to see how this all, uh, this all plays out. And it's so much more fun to talk about than coronavirus. (laughs) So there's that. Uh, um, My story of the week uh, is, something I think is equally juicy to talk about. And it also involves CD project red and cyberpunk. And that is a uh, good old games. Gog uh, revealed their new refund policy, which is an update to a already pretty generous refund pro- policy that they had uh, their digital store. The Gog digital store had a 30 day money back guarantee on games that don't work on your PC, which is pretty nice. Um, steam also has a money back, uh, policy, but there's restrictions on how long you've played the game. You can't have played it too long. Well, they just announced a update. Gog did to their site, their policy, and that is they will refund any game bought within 30 days. No questions asked, no regardless. Well, not no questions asked, but regardless of the reason and regardless of how many hours you have played during that window. So, you can have completed the game if you did it within 30 days and just say you don't like it, and they will give you back your money. There's a fact about this a frequently asked questions form uh, where CD Projekt Red, the owner of GOG, is Asking people not to abuse this and that they will, quote, be monitoring the effects of the current update to make sure no one is using this policy to hurt the developers that put their time and heart into making great games. Uh, They said they uh, will reserve the right to refuse refunds for people that do this in bulk. If you're like getting refunds on every game you purchase, then they may not want to let you do that. But I think this is in line with CD Project Red's general philosophy and GOG's philosophy in particular. They are DRM free, they've been very pro consumer, uh at least that's their messaging and it seems like they've backed it up with a number of decisions like this. And I wonder Patrick what you think about this. Is it is it the kind of thing that is going to be going to prove to earn the loyalty and respect from players or do you think they're setting themselves up for something that's going to have to be changed uh, pretty quickly based on abuse you
2: know i mean like you know initial response to reading about this was uh why like it just didn't feel like there was an open demand like people seem right now like the the you know the confusion is over like why don't you know sony and microsoft allow for like you know normal refund policies as opposed to well actually what we needed was not within seven days or two hours, you know, closer to what's, what steam has offered and, and Gog has offered in the past, but actually like a full month with the game. Like when I see that, it reminds me of, you know, i sure anyone's seen these images, images a million times where you see like a steam review of a game where someone's like, you know, what? turns out I hate this game. Like time played like 1200 hours. Um, yeah, and yeah, yeah. Um, so at the same time, You know, I've seen some other developers who have had a lot of experience with shorter narrative driven games say that it actually, you know, there's a lot more discourse around people who are going to abuse refunds as opposed to actively people doing that. And so, uh, you know, I think there's maybe an open question of whether, yes, we could sit here and talk about how many people could do terrible things with a, a refund policy like this. Do you, does it need to be this wide open and generous? Um, And that hopefully, you know, this is, you know, with sufficient data, we can get a sense of whether it's actively being abused or it's just, you know, there are outlier bad actors that can be caught. And for other people, maybe there will be legitimate reasons for for them wanting to um, enact that. It's like as someone that's bought games, you know, my whole life. I. It's hard for me to like figure out like a game that I would like beat over the course of like a month and like return, like um, maybe buy a game and forget about it. Uh, You know, I don't, I'm like trying to figure out like the scenarios where like I would even want to engage with something like that. But I also at the same time as someone that uh is always advocating for folks to have, we, you know, we live in a world where, especially because of the convenience of digital ownership, we have lost a lot of Consumer rights, as a result of that, that um, are concerning. I'm always like, on one hand, I interact with a lot of developers. I'm sympathetic to their work, and on the other hand, I'm like, right, but also like, consumers have lost a ton of rights <laughs> that, that go along with yeah. this stuff. And I'm, I want to actively encourage um, returning to that to some some degree. So I, I don't know that, like, I, I I have like a not a red flag, but like an orange flag. You know, like so I'm like, I was like, hey, we should watch this, but I'm not necessarily. Um, overly concerned so we necessarily get data that suggests uh it's it's a huge problem
0: well you can certainly imagine a scenario where a game you know like a fallout 76 or something comes out and people feel like the game isn't finished and then they say oh there's going to be a patch in 30 days or and whatever that's a game
2: and that you could invest 100 hours in and come back and be like actually they lied to me about I feel like they lied to me like so I think there are but like that seems pretty obvious right like a like a a, a customer rep would be able to look at like hey I'm gonna go read some of the news coverage oof people are pretty mad about this and it seems reasonable to like refund them so like that that I think that's maybe the scenario maybe that's the scenario but I would have I guess they couldn't like outline that specifically, like, hey, we're gonna throw Fallout 76 under the bus. Um <laughs> But if maybe they'd like hypothetically, here's a here's a example of why someone would do this, probably would have gotten people to feel better about the policy because then you could at least think through, oh, why would someone want to engage with this? Cause I think that was that's where the hiccup came, was like developers being like, why? And then even reasonable players being like, how come and whereas like an example could have given people a sense of because you're right service games are you know the thing for a lot of games these days and so that's that's reasonable to think that hey i disagree with with the decision this developers made if i could get my money back you know maybe i would
0: christian what do you think about this policy you think they're setting themselves up for some bad situation that they'll have to change course or do you think this is actually uh helping to restore some of those consumer rights
1: i think they're definitely setting themselves up for some people to abuse it um it's always going to be the case but i think um, cd project red and by proxy good old games um have always set themselves out to you know champion the openness in games um you know outwardly with their drm free and with um god from the beginning and how they I think this goes hand in hand with their, what we talked about for what they're doing with cyberpunk on Xbox and for series X. So I think that's very much been a part of the studio's um, persona and reputation and the story they're telling for years now. And I I think we're at a very interesting, I don't know if we're at a crossroads yet, or maybe we've passed it. I feel like we're still approaching it, but at a crossroads of um, digital, Air quote ownership, and there are old, uh, you know, legal cases about being able to resell physical goods from way back when. Because in a capitalist society, in terms, it, it can become, and it's something that we've kind of accepted and internalized for a long time now. But it can become, when picked apart, a complex web of IP rights and what the person who buys the product is entitled to, and sharing it or giving it, reselling it. But for decades or centuries, we were uh, living in a world where that thing broke down over time. And now for the past, you know, several decades, maybe only 20 years, we're at a place where that thing does not break down, (laughs) you know, no matter how many times shared or copied or given or passed around, you get the exact same version that I had. And we're still trying to figure that out, be it in the music industry or TV and streaming and movies and, and now video games. I think personally... Um, kind of the mental exercises that I put into it and I know companies are playing with this but it hasn't been rolled out widely at least as far as I know is some form of blockchaining a purchase where you know you can sell back your thing in a way that it is marked and recognized or I could sell mine to you or to patrick or to whomever um, at a re- price that I think is fair and then it deactivates it on my machine I think the thing for Good old games is that, uh, you know, with DRM free, if that game does not then come with a online check, you know, game of service, like we're checking, we're, (laughs) we're checking with our servers to make sure you have the most up to date content, you know, or however it's couched or the real reason for it. If it is just a game I can download on my hard drive and then have there and then request a refund, I could still have that game. Uh, yeah. and,
0: and I'm sure and you can give it to 400 people. Yes. 4, and I can
1: upload it on a torrent and you know, yeah. the, away we go. Yeah. And I am certain people will do that. I think for a lot of people, and I think something that Steve jobs talked about probably 15 years ago is that the goal is that you make it cheap enough and easy enough to get the real thing that most people will go that way versus Going into the, you know, Dark criminal web. sites yeah. to, and this is pirate this is it.
0: clearly CD Projekt Red's philosophy is is hey if we do the things that people claim they want, they will respect us enough not to abuse it, and I hope they're right. I hope that 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 bet on human nature is worthwhile. And clearly, the DRM free thing has been going multiple years now, so they're you know, they haven't changed course on that. So I'm I'm hoping that people do respect that level of respect from them you know they they see that respect that this kind of policy gives to them and react in kind
1: I hope yes yeah, you just need most people and then yeah. there are going to be bad actors and then you, you need those sites to be more troubling to go to than not to right for yeah. for for most people and it's, uh, it's a problem that's going to be continued to be addressed. And I think it's an interesting thing, the way you know, kind of Netflix's approach to some of this stuff, right, is that the thing only lives there. So yes, people, you can, you know, screen record and pirate or whatever, but it's also like for so many shows, there's not a home release of it, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, it's just there. It's just streamed. And so if you see something floating around the web, you know that it's not the actual, you know the the real version of it. It's fascinating. I am very, very curious about this area of technology and law, and i'm I'm very excited to see where it goes and how we as a society adapt to it while remaining able to pay um fairly the people that create the entertainment we love so much. I'll also say it's um incredibly easy to pirate video games.
2: And so if you try and think through the scenario of, you know, like Gog's defense is, well, if they wanted to get it for free, there are one of the you know, I check when I wake up in the morning to, to do reporting, one of the things I do multiple days a week is I have all sorts of different subreddits that I check, and one of them deals with piracy, um, just to get a sense of what that community has talked about, because it's been part of my beats in the past. It's not hard to download a game and crack it and play it. Um, and so if someone wanted to get something for free, it's, it's, it's a couple of links away. And so the notion that like "Ah, what we need to worry about is the person who's going to like pay for it, put it on their credit card, download it and go, Hmm, in 30 days, (laughs) I'm going to be a jerk and get a refund. Not saying that doesn't exist. Not saying like, there's not a world where someone is buying a game on GOG, putting it up on a torrent. And then like, there's a million people doing that. Like it's getting out a thousand other different ways. And so, um, Again, not to downplay any of the concerns of developers, I totally get it. I, I I've thought through those problems as well, and I think they're they're legit. It's just that, like watching, you know, streaming a movie or streaming a TV show, getting a video game, if you if you want it and you know where to look, it is ex- extremely easy. And so I think I think Christian's right, and that like you know, by making people feel like, well, I could. You know, I think their logic might be, if I want, if I don't like this in 30 days, it's nice to know that I could. Because if you're thinking like, where to buy a game, right? You can buy it a lot of different places. If you're on the PC, you have all sorts of storefronts. You can buy lots of different games. It's like, well, this one, if I buy it here, well, geez, on Steam, technically, I'm still only buying a license. Um, On GOG, if I get it, it's DRM free. Not every game, but lots of games. And I can return it in 30 days. Well, I'm going to give them my money because I want to reward them for that policy, even if I don't actually engage with it.
0: That's a really good point. I think that's an excellent point that it it, it really, uh, it's all about customer loyalty and feeling like you're safer making that purchase decision here than elsewhere.
2: And they're also lower on the totem pole. Like GOG, we talk about them a lot because their policies are often more progressive than the other platforms, but they're, they're not the most popular, like, you know, steam right. is, you know, if, if steam did this, it would be truly transformative. Like that's why their refund policy was, like a huge deal, and maybe hopeful that you'd get the console manufacturers to engage in stuff like that. I'm still very skeptical that they'll ever do something like that. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's also worth keeping in mind that GOG is cool, but also GOG is like pretty like they're, they're not number one. They're I don't know where they are in the total poll, but it's like Steam, and then like really long list. Then there's Epic Game Store, and then like really long list, and then everybody else.
1: Yeah, I'm curious. And I don't know, Jeff, if you when you're putting this together, if you read more about this or Patrick, but like, who eats the refund? Because I know in traditional retail for, you know, years, you'd have kind of this back and forth pull where it's like, yeah, 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 send it back to us. We can, you know, you cover the shipping or don't or we'll take it back. And, you know, you get these credits on your account. And there's this whole conversation that happens right between the person selling the product and then the storefront putting out that to the public and how they handle refunds. And there are times where, you know, your best buy Walmart or target, they eat those losses because they accept they want Nordstrom, right. They want to be the store where you're allowed to take anything back. And they know that these 10 year old pair of loafers, (laughs) you know, aren't going to go back to floor or whatever the shoe company is. uh, But they want to be that department store. So they take that and it's a write off for them. And here I'm curious what that back and forth is, where it's like if a bunch of one developers, like, do the developers all have to agree to this, or is 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 CD Projekt Red taking these losses, and to what extent are they willing to do that?
2: Yeah, it's a good, it's a good question. I don't know the exact specifics, but I you know I believe on Steam, it's you know I believe Steam eats like the you know like the credit card transaction loss because they're the right. marketplace, and the developer you know eats. You know, the the refund um, is is traditionally how the way it has worked. And so I would imagine that's, you know, the way GOG has worked. But it's also why developers were up in arms over this this policy change, because it was not something that was like, hey, you know, send all to everyone that has a game listed on GOG. Here's a policy change we're making. It was just they put out a blog saying... Here's a policy change uh, we're making. <laughs> right. So um, yeah. now granted, maybe you do that because you're, you know, ask for forgiveness later, you know, sort of thing. But, um, you know, I think it's reasonable for developers to be slightly irritated about that, especially with like a Steam, what are you going to do? Take your game off Steam? Well, you know, that, was, that wasn't that was the case until Epic, you know, went around with a big check um, that they were handing out to lots of folks. But um, I, I think being slightly annoyed that, that you were not given a heads up is, that's fair. I've, <laughs> that's fair. Right.
0: All right, well let's uh, let's move on and talk about the games that we have been playing. But first, I want to thank our sponsor, which is Squarespace. Oh man, all this stuff talking about websites, dark web, light web. Uh, if you are going to be online, chances are you're going to need a website at some point. What better place to build your website than Squarespace? I have recommended Squarespace to all my friends and family, anybody that comes to me and is like, Jeff, you're the you're the internet guy. Tell me about making a website. I need to make a website. I don't know anything about it. I say Squarespace. Squarespace. It's so simple. You don't have to pay someone a million bucks to, to make your website. You don't have to learn HTML yourself. Just use the tools at Squarespace and you'll be able to make something that looks slick, does anything that you need it to do. And uh, accomplishes your goals, and you make it yourself. It's pretty awesome. You can make it. Why? Because you start with their award winning templates made by designers that are actually really, really skilled. There's a, a variety of things that you can start with, and then you just mess with it. Use their easy to use tool set, use their uh, drag and drop. What you see is what you get. You just slide stuff around, move stuff here or there. It's so simple. Drop in new functionality. If you need to sell something, drop in the that e-commerce functionality. It's so simple. Plus, if you run into any issues, 24-7 award-winning customer support, there's never anything to patch or upgrade ever. Uh, they have free and secure hosting. They have built-in search engine optimization. It's great. It's actually a great way to get domains as well. Squarespace.com. They can, you can choose from over 200 extensions there. So you can buy a domain there and just make your website yourself. So here's what you want to do when it's time to build your website, go over to squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me, then you just build it. You'll get your free trial and you use their tools. You don't even have to put in a credit card. There's nothing that will automatically charge you. You just build your website. And then when you're ready to launch your website, Use our promo code Jeff Sent Me, J E F F S E N T M E, all one word. get yourself 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. And then Squarespace knows that you heard about it here, which is awesome for us. Squarespace.com slash Jeff Sent Me and the promo code Jeff Sent Me at checkout. Build it yourself. Make your website. Get online yourself. Oh, it's a play in the- All right, it's talk about it's t- it's time to talk about the games that we have been playing. Patrick, uh, let's start with dreams because uh, I know you've been playing that. I have been conflicted about this thing, even though I find it extraordinary. <laughs> extraordinary. Sure. It just seems overwhelming in a lot of ways, and I know you're somebody that has had lots of experience with Mario Maker. You know, you do your 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 streams with Mario Maker, yep. and, and uh, you love. Uh, sifting through great user generated yeah, sorry what <laughs> not what i was going to say but i appreciate it um what what's your take on dreams overall and then we'll get into the specifics of like getting to the good
2: i've uh, mostly ignored dreams up until like the full release came out i uh, am not someone that engages with the creation tools of different video games. Like I, I, this shocks people sometimes given that I've invested thousands of hours into Mario maker and Mario maker two. I had Mario maker two. I built one level, um, because I was reviewing it. And so I felt obligated to use a, what would be arguably a a significant portion of what is appealing about (laughs) Mario maker. Um,
1: Patrick Klepek reviews video game after only making one level.
2: (laughs) Um, because for me, it's about playing what other people create. Like that's what I find interesting that's what i get out of mario maker and so with dreams like you know i've seen various demos of dreams over the years at different events um but i I was i was like i'm i don't care that much because i'm not going to sit down with my move controllers and make a level i just know that's just not how my brain is wired i'm so much more curious about the community how they bend and break and and stretch this thing and so i was like i don't know i kind of ignored it until you know uh, a code showed up in my inbox i was like all right i'm gonna jump in, see what this thing is. Then I got the flu and uh, went into hibernation in uh, my uh, uh, spare bedroom in our house for a Those week Those are and a half. different type of dreams that you'd be Yeah, they, no, yeah. I, do, I don't really actually like physically dream that much, but when I'm sick is like one of the few times that it happens. And so I don't like being sick, but at the same time, it's like, cool, like, oh, this is what people do on a regular basis is <laughs> I have these like, these fun times at night. Instead, I have 102 temperature, so Maybe I'm hallucinating for all for all I know. Um, and so when I jumped back into it this week, I wanted to break from Mario Maker, and I said, "All right, I'm going to go into dreams, and I'm going to like do a deep dive in this, and I I'm going to avoid looking at the levels that are like a recreation of Dead Space or PT or other stuff. And it's all fascinating. I think it, it demonstrates the the elasticity of the tools, but I wanted to see. I wanted to like you know re like if I could list everything created. I wanted to take it like the things that have all the likes flip it around. I want to see just the trash that is out there. And what trash, I mean, what are people experimenting with? What are they, what is weird? How are they like stretching the limits of what's possible in terms of copyright, in terms of um, the tools available. And I just had a blast doing that. The the thing that I recommend people do is they, um, if you have a copy of dreams, if you're curious about it, if you end up getting one is just pick a keyword. um, And then, just let that guide you from there. Like because Dreams is so good at being uh, agile and allowing you to like look at a profile, see who are they following. Here are like keywords that people have attached to something they've created. Like the keywords are, like in Mario Maker, uh, for example, the keywords are only what Nintendo allows and it's a very restricted like pool of like 10. So it just doesn't give people a lot of creativity for like, for example, in Dreams, one of the, a lot of the really cool stuff I saw was in a game jam that people did around romance where they tried to create little short scenes or stories or images or audio or video that was uh, romantic. And there's just not possible in Mario Maker because if you were to make a level that was a, a love letter or something like that, who's going to see it? Because there's no way to, 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 to reliably search for it. And Dreams has just an, an enormous customizability in terms of, people being able to list their thing. And so that gives them an option to make something that, well, maybe only a couple hundred people will find this, but I know that the people that are interested will find it. And so you find things like that where like little people, someone recreated like meeting their significant other on the beach. And I was like, that's, that's cool. Like it's not a good game, but like it's an, it's, that's not what dreams is necessarily is right. Like people are making scenes or stories. It feels like I'm seeing short art house films like the, An example I told on uh, our podcast, we put radio recently was I stumbled across an account that was, I don't know the age, you know, I'm, I'm getting a better understanding, probably like Jeff and and Christian, like of what the ages of children are as they actually go through it. Like if you asked me 10 years ago, what's a three-year-old? Like, "I I have no idea. Like they can, they've lost their teeth. And, you know, I just don't, didn't know until I had, had my own. and, I think this kid is like six, seven, maybe eight. I think eight year olds are probably a little more capable than this, but they, is clearly him and his friend are sitting around in their room late at night because, and they revealed that it's late at night because one of their other creations was like, What you do when it's one in the morning with your best friend and the pizza goes off in the microwave? And I was like, Okay, buddy, like I've been there, (laughs) I've been there with my friends when I was that age, and you're sneaking around at night playing video games or doing whatever, and you don't want your parents to know real and the,
0: autobiographical work
2: 100 <laughs> 100 like at least i you know lots of things that change as you get older but i was like oh okay kids are still doing this sort of stuff uh that, that i was doing when i was that age and it was um they'd clearly taken the like so in dreams you can create an asset you can create a, a a model you can create a graphic you can create a sound effect you can create anything and then you can make it shareable you don't have to share it but you can make it shareable so people can then t- pluck that, put into their thing. And then if you look at what something's called uh, the full credits, it will show everything that was used in that scene. And then you can look up that author. So if you go into something and like, I didn't like this video, but oh my gosh, like that model of Shrek or <laughs> whatever was like really <laughs> well done. You can go and see what else that person's made. And what this uh, this young kid had done was, uh, it was a bunch of toads And they were all arranged in a pile. And then there was one up higher above and it was a choir scene. And then they started like, I, I can't do a Toad impression, but imagine that, but a Toad impression. And then they started doing Mr. Blue Sky and singing the whole song in Toad voices. And they were like giggling and like just being so joyous through it. And, It was over. You know, they did the whole song, like knew the lyrics top to bottom. Like, I really liked that song. I kept thinking like, oh, they're reading off a lyric sheet or, you know, they're just kind of goofing around. I was like, nah, this kid just really likes (laughs) Mr. Blue Sky. So respect. Um, And they just like were cackling at the end of it. And I was like, that's so cool. Like that made my heart like explode as I was watching that, even though. It's not some fancy platformer or, or whatever. And I've played those things in dreams. There's, uh, I think it's the water gardens is the, what I would recommend people go look if you want to see someone that should be like hired to go make games and is just, you know, making stuff in here. But it just runs the spectrum of possibility in a way that I was not expecting and made me so happy to see. Because um, I like seeing the stuff that seems like it's professional, should it be hired. But I also want to see like, just what are kids doing with access to because what's different about Dreams is you can get a model for a character that looks like it was made by a professional and just drop it into your creation and play with the scripting and the things that you understand. Maybe you don't know how to make music. Maybe you don't know how to make a model. But you can just drop that into your scene and start screwing around. And that is such a cool idea to see where that goes with with the players who are using it. It's basically the TikTok of video games. <laughs> yeah, no, hundred percent, absolutely. Like, it gave me very strong TikTok vibes. Like the the stuff that I was seeing of people just messing with other other models that they clearly had not made themselves, because you could just tell. Because like the way they would like string together. There was one where it was, uh, gosh, uh, the reason I keep bringing up Shrek was because last Friday when I was doing it, I was like, the, the the gimmick I do on my streams is like we'll pick one keyword and then we'll just dive from there and find whatever cool stuff we could find. And so we started by looking at Shrek stuff. And it was, it was as though I was watching um, like a teenager or some young kid take his action figures and smash them around on the screen. Because all that the models were doing was just like floating around and clipping through the environment. So they didn't really know how to use what was in front of them, but they had a bunch of high quality stuff to play with. And that's just super neat. And then the other, spe- the other side of that is watching someone crudely try to make the opening to a new hope. And they were clearly didn't have a real microphone. So they were just like holding up their dual shock to a copy of like, well, probably a clip on YouTube of a new hope. So they could get like, <laughs> like R2D2 and C3PO quotes into it. Cause you could hear the staticky nature of it. So I was like, all right, this is not a high quality recording. You were just going on YouTube and pulling this. And I almost like hesitated to share stories like that. Cause I don't want them to take it down. I like the fact that it's just nonsense and, you know, you know, early YouTube or any other social service that hasn't quite like picked up where people can play with copyright in a way that um our, our the American system at least does not really allow for it's, it's a neat thing. I I'm way more into it and excited about its possibility space than I would have said uh, even just a week ago. I love how you talk about it. And, and I, I agree. I mean, I've, sort of
0: clumsily tried to describe a similar feeling where i'm, I'm impressed by the tool set and the the democratization of creating something on this level something that things that look this good this easily and allowing people who would never be able to make a quote unquote video game to create something in this space right. in the same way that you know putting a video camera on a on your cell phone gave a whole bunch of people that would never have purchased a camcorder the ability to make movies. Absolutely. And I think that's amazing. I think that's amazing. And I don't want to diminish it in any way because I think it's extraordinary. And I think it's going to lead to level of creative expression. Like you're talking about for young people, especially people who wouldn't even have the means to even attempt to anything like this in, in any other way. I think that's incredible but I also feel like <laughs> I mean, I, there is another I whip part you of you on the butt
2: by just like, it's
0: like, it's just very personal for me in, in, in thinking every time I turn on dreams, I go and I, I love that you're doing streams and you're finding this. Cool I mean, it's the ideal
2: way now. to engage with it, right? Like, I don't think I'd be doing this by myself necessarily. Like, yeah. I don't know that I'd be sitting around on a Friday night where it's like, all right, I've got an hour to myself. My wife's asleep. Like, you know, my kids asleep. Like, what am I going to do? Like, I'm going to go, sift through like these shrek videos on on dreams
0: i don't have i don't have the depth of experience that you have with mario maker at by any stretch but i get the sense that with mario maker there was much more an ability to to find things that were very high quality easier or or at least find things that challenged you or challenged a player in ways that felt uh, more accessible than than what what dreams is, which is sort of like this catches catch can. I'm not really sure it's even going to be a good game. And yes, we're early days. Christian keeps reminding me we're early days with dreams, but it just feels like it's not the same beast at all as as something like a Mario Maker. Is that accurate or
2: no? I I, I think well, like for example, I um was always impressed you know i just like anyone else would read the articles and even oftentimes wrote the articles about weird things that people made in little big planet right like when some i remember the one that always sticks to mind when i think of little big planet a game that i did not particularly like because i'm very particular about my platformers and that game has floaty physics and it just drove me up a a wall. Um, and what I love—a dream. You up a wall, but go yeah, ahead. Yeah, well, yeah. Oh, I tried so hard because I found them. I found the plant to be so like its twee nature spoke to me on like a psychic level. But I just wanted to throw the controller at the screen <laughs> every time I played it. But I was always impressed by the things that people made. Like, and the one that always sticks out my head is like someone made a calculator, and then people would make more advanced yeah. calculators. And, like that's incredible. And I don't think there's anything wrong with thinking about experiencing dreams through third parties um, or like, you know, folks like myself or, you know, YouTubers or Twitch streamers who are like, Hey, let's go on an adventure together. Um, and that's why I've been, I don't know if they'll end up doing this. And again, you know, like don't write a headline over this, but like, I I'm hopeful that like, you know, if the reports, you know, about horizon zero dawn becoming a PC version, when I think of other games that would make so much sense to be on the PC, like it's dreams, because yeah, if you can yeah. imagine a world where people, the keyboard and mouse were able to make, stuff on a pc that would benefit the playstation community it's one of those like rare instances where it's 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 for some from sony's perspective i would have you know if i'm thinking from for them it doesn't hurt anybody it only just makes a community have access to more high quality interesting assets and things to play with and naturally you would get a lot of professionals getting in there that didn't want to use a controller or move controllers they want to use the tools they already understand to to create stuff and i I do think it has a lot of potential in the future to have really cool things and i also think it's okay to be like i don't want to be the person to sort through it i do think their algorithm is pretty okay it favors game remakes um which is understandable because it's kind of something you can wrap your head around to see like what is a dead space or whatever look like in here um but uh, yeah, I, I you know I I certainly I agree with Christian that I think the it will it will find its community and will find its cool things. But if you don't necessarily feel the obligation to get in there yourself, I'm hopeful. What I'm also hoping is they will find a way to make it free to play, um, mm-hmm. in which. I would love if players could, if you could tip creators um, as something I've yeah. always wanted in Mario Maker, where you play a level and like, I just want to give this person a dollar because this made me, this made my day, like it made me happy. And I would love if, you know, you look at uh, Steam with, uh, there's whole communi- economic communities based around selling hats and other um, assets for Dota and Team Fortress. I see no reason why Dream can't move in that direction. And so I'd love for Dreams at some point, I know it's a $40 game, not a $60 game, but um, I'd love at some point for dreams to be the kind of thing where, uh, you just sit around and maybe if PlayStation even got their like cloud act, you know, together on the PS five or like, what if you could just like, someone could send you a link in, you know, a, a PSN message. like, Hey, I need you to check out this dreams thing. And instead of having to, like download an app, pay, for, am I going to pay $40? It's like, Hey, this friend sent you a link. You can just jump in kind of like a trial or, or whatever. Like, and you can just go yeah. check out this thing that sounds such a, that sounds so cool. And I'm hoping that allowing people to export their games into unity, or I think there's like such a, such cool ways it could go in the future. Um, But I certainly also sympathize with you, Jeff, that yeah, you don't, it's okay if you don't want to be the person that necessarily spends the time sifting through that stuff. Yeah.
0: Well, I, I, yeah, I I agree with so much what you said. I I voiced the, uh, the hope as well that, you know, it, it, arrives on the PC at some point. It's, it's funny to me that clearly so much work and design and iteration went into figuring out how to do that stuff on a controller, how to create, how to have such a robust tool set mapped to a controller. I'm just in awe of how they even made that work. And it feels like just put it on a mouse and keyboard, (laughs) you know, just like save yourself so much energy. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, 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 agree with what you're saying and I'm, uh, I, I think that the way I will tend to enjoy Dreams is the way I tended to enjoy Little Big Planet and Little Big Planet 2, which is, oh, wow, this is a cool YouTube video yep. of something amazing somebody made with that tool set. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, you have been playing a game that just came out that I'm super excited to play, uh, mostly because our friend Nick Sutner wrote it. It's called Blood Roots, right?
2: Yeah, Blood Roots. Uh, yeah, it just came out on switch and pc i don't know if it's on steam i know it's on the epic game store um ps4 xbox uh the basic uh like the story pitch is that you are some sort of warrior that comes back to your village and everyone's been killed and then they try to kill you and you wake up and you know go to give vengeance and the mechanical hook is that uh it's sort of a combo game in which you are going into sort of discrete arenas and there are anywhere between five and ten enemies, at least in the first couple areas that I've, I've been through. And almost, not every object, but most objects in the environment are something you can interact with and can then bludgeon to death um, the people in that arena with. And there is a combo meter in the corner that is always running, and you you know have, I don't know how much time, a couple of seconds in between that meter resetting, um, and you're trying to maintain that combo as you're setting off wild chains of events that you may not fully understand. You know, you can go into an area and like throw a wheel and that'll bounce around the whole area and take out three guys that you didn't even know were there. Um, And then when you finish sort of a discrete area, the game will pause and like wait until you get to the next area so that you can continue that combo. Um, You can also die very quickly, which has sort of been, I need to spend more time with it on the PC because I, uh, was playing it on switch uh, this week and found myself like genuinely frustrated. Um, like I I'm someone that keeps their cool pretty well playing video games because I, I stream them quite a bit and I I try to not be someone that's like screaming at the screen, but like I'll do a thing with my switch where like if I'm super mad. I'll like start to twist it a little bit and I'm like, oh, that's expensive. Don't twist that too much, Patrick. And with <laughs> with blood roots, I was twisting it and I was like, that's like the side I should set it down. And what I was finding uh, that was happening to me was that, because it's it's one hit and you're dead and you want to get these combos together, I was finding a lot of the times I was dying for ways that didn't feel my fault or like I couldn't quite tell. The camera's pretty far pulled back and I always wanted it to be like twice as close so that I could get a better sense of like, how is the animation working? How can I get a a better sense of like why I'm dying? Is, this, is it the game's fault where I'm like disagreeing with the design choices? Is it my fault where I'm just not quite hitting the rhythm and so i was playing it on a switch Lite, which you know are you know understandably is a is a really small screen and probably the small screen that you can play this thing on um and so i just like literally before we started doing this i was like ah before i like talk you know like say too many nasty things about this game like i want to load it up on the pc see if it's a little bit easier i did find in the first couple areas that i had a much better time sitting next to my big pc monitor and working my way through it because i love the concept of it i was just frustrated in the actual practice of it but i want to genuinely give it another go to see if uh maybe i was just having trouble with the platform it was on and that was uh uh causing the issues because on paper it's absolutely the kind of thing that i would fall head over heels for
0: yeah i, I haven't had a chance to play it yet but i'm i'm dying to get, get my hands on it um but it's good that you're not twisting your switch you don't want to twist your switch
2: no you know because you actually don't have to twist <laughs> it that much before you can tell that plastic is moving. Like if you just sit there and move that, because that Switch light just feels like it's a piece of candy. Like I do love it because my my daughter every once in a while, she's like, what are you doing? And I can hand it to her. And I'm like, I feel like you could throw this across the room and we're good, which is not something I feel like with the regular Switch. That thing feels not as like delicate like a phone without a case, but like pretty close. Like, I don't, that fell off a table. I'm not confident it's going to survive. Whereas the Switch light. I, that thing is is built to to last.
0: <laughs> awesome, uh, Christian Spicer. What do you got on your playlist?
1: I mean, I recommend that everybody do this now. It's just hang out. You know, uh, <laughs> the 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 deluge of games is starting. It is here. Um, probably when you're listening to this. So I've been just playing very relaxing games. Um, that Minecraft Minecraft addiction with the kids is very real my oldest um excuse me throat clear my youngest was out with my wife and my oldest uh had an ear infection so she was not feeling the best but home with me and we were playing some minecraft and um i'm kind of talking to her about what we're doing and we're you know we're playing in the same um realm with my little brother and his kid and we're all kind of you know doing the minecraft thing contributing to building out this world and um I kind of look over after my oldest doesn't respond to a question. I see that she's kind of rolled over on the couch and just kind of fallen asleep. And I was like, <laughs> I had this moment where I was like, Oh sweet. Now I can go build whatever I want. You know, it wasn't, <laughs> it, it wasn't like a, now I'm going to grind up my division two character a little bit before warlords comes out. It was like, yeah, game on. I don't have to listen. I, I can go, you know, I'm going to, I'll g- do it this g- firewood g- what I want. Yes, exactly. I'm going to make this magma pit and wherever I want it to go now. <laughs> like, <laughs> and so that's when I knew that, um, you know, as a as a budding uh, Minecraft fan, like it had, I had found the joy in it. I mean, whatever it was, Jeff, two months, a month ago, I was talking about like, I kind of don't get it. I want to get into it. In that moment, it crystallized for me that like, oh, I, I get it. And I think it's cool the way I'm playing with my little brother and um, my Um, nephew in that they have a much firmer grasp on it so I kind of get to poke in and see like the incredible stuff they've done and they play a lot more than I do but I'm like oh wow cool and that like inspires me to you know spend time to figure things out but it was a lot of Minecraft which was you know I'm not going to tell you something you don't know about it other than I guess you know old dogs can learn new tricks like if you are like me and had dabbled with it before but didn't find the joy i'm not going to tell you like you got to watch the first four seasons then it gets good (laughs) like like don't do that if you don't like battlestar stop whenever you want um but if you had maybe not given minecraft a chance i would recommend finding a buddy it's always the best advice and then um you know get dive in maybe you will find the joy um, but you only have a week left. <laughs> after that, that's true. All the yeah,
2: all the new yeah, games. Yeah, March, March is March is going to be rough. It's it's funny, Christian. You mentioned that because I've I've tried multiple times to get into Minecraft, and I found myself the roadblock I always hit was you know a similar roadblock that I uh, encountered as a child. And when I finally made this connection, it made a lot of sense to me why I would get into Minecraft and just stare forward and blink, which is that I was the kind of kid that if you just gave me a whole bunch of random Legos, I'd be like, yeah, cool. What do you, what do you want me to do with those Legos? But <laughs> I, if you gave me, like, hey, you have to build this castle and there's a thousand pieces, let's go. I will follow those instructions. Like, I was always someone that, and this is true for a lot of games I play, I in, I, I like objectives. Like, I need something to work wow. towards. Like, I don't like playing pinball because just beating a high score, not interesting me. Like, uh, that game that came out last year, Yoku's something something island, something. Express? Oh, island good. express great game because it took something i love pinball mechanics and put it into a game with an end state and like goals <laughs> and, yeah. and and minecraft was something similar and I, I i imagine i would would find a similar pleasure in where in working in a realm that is like collaborative on some level that is, you know, like I want to leave something for my friends and like my family, Mm -hmm. like I'm going to contribute to this thing as opposed to just sitting in there by yourself and just here's a space go build something. Like I just never found that captivating. And so that's why I've always found games like, you know, the, the, the dragon quest uh, builders like series Mm -hmm. to be like more interesting because like, cool, take the thing that's amazing about Minecraft and then give me like point me in a direction. Um, That was just always, did you ever play?
0: do you ever play survival mode in Minecraft? Cause that's that. I mean, w- this is years and years and years ago now, but it, that was the thing that f- first got me involved in, in hooked on Minecraft was this idea of like, okay, night's coming. I have nothing. I'm going to dig a tunnel and hope that those monsters don't get me. Oh, what's down here in this tunnel. Oh, cool stuff. I can build cool, cooler things. I mean, that to me was the, the objective was survive. And there really weren't
2: other survival games like that at the time. And so I found that really compelling. So for me, I look at that and think, yeah, that's a pinball high score. Cool. All right. So I'm going to survive like five <laughs> minutes longer. And so like, that's, and that's just why I have just finally figured out. Like, that's how I respond to games and like have accepted that instead of getting frustrated over like, ah, this is very popular game. I need to understand why people love it. And it's like, well, no, I'd rather just read. Why do people respond to it and understand, you know, and spend my energy on, on, on games that, uh, uh, that I personally respond to. But I, I think it's just interesting, Christian, like where you have found your path in that because it wouldn't shock me if you asked me five years from now that I was doing the same thing.
1: Right, <laughs> right. And like, so I am very much a gamer like you and people that listen to this show, you know, have listened to it for years certainly know that, that I, I, I need that objective. I want it to be strong. I want I want something to pull me through, like mechanics alone. How as a parent have... when you're like, I have an hour, I need to feel like I did something.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
0: that's my problem with dreams
1: <laughs> well so i am gonna i'm gonna throw a a curveball back your way patrick but not okay. yet i want to finish one minecraft sure, point and then, right I, then i do have a curveball coming so you know check the center field camera i want you to okay. see the pitch mm-hmm. that's coming so mm-hmm. you you know um, well, i'm on the astros I've, I've looked already ahead i, I know what's going on <laughs> uh so for me jeff we are pl- our, our server is a survival server and i feel like it, it What interesting about that the way we're playing is that you kind of as you go further and further further out to get things you're kind of on this leash to pull you back but also it becomes in my opinion fairly easily to fairly easy to survive very quickly um you know you get your torch up you build a couple of walls you're good you know yeah you got to go find food or do whatever but rarely is that the thing that becomes a detriment um for playing but for for me Patrick, I think that because my nephew is so into it and, and my brother and my girls then being interested, that's what pulled me in. And then it was this realization this past week of like, oh, I've clearly found joy here too. Um, isn't that interesting? <laughs> you know, it's more and then I think from like a resource management perspective, it's interesting to have conversations with my kids and then internally myself of like, oh yeah, I am changing this world forever. Uh I can plant new trees as I get things, but I'm going to turn this beautiful part of this world into a flat wasteland as I mine it. (laughs) If we're talking about Minecraft, I'm I'm confused where we're at in the... In Minecraft, (laughs) but also real life. (laughs) Also real life. Um, So here's my curveball to you, good sir. All right, hit me. Um, Explain your gaming philosophy with your uh, prior Spelunky and current Mario Maker addiction. Because to me, the way you play Mario maker and I've watched a good amount of your streams and Spelunky before you're playing for a pinball high score. What? Well, Spelunky has an end state that
2: it has a uh, two, but not the states. way you were streaming it. it didn't. Well, you're working towards the end state, right? Like, so that was the reason the way I streamed Spelunky. Um, Cause I bounced off. Cause Spelunky you hate yourself. The, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, I, so it's like, there are very few video games in which I feel confident in my abilities. Um, but action platform you know like games that are uh derivative of a a mario or a mega man like i feel like okay whatever you throw in front of me like i've got this like i i know i i trust that i will be able to get over whatever obstacles put in front of me when i played spelunky the first time i did think it was a a a pinball It was just like oh okay like i it's just a it's a you know this is my that was my first real encounter with a a roguelike or roguelite or however you want to characterize spelunky um and they're like, oh, you just play until you die in a weird way. Like, OK, like that's doesn't really do anything for me. And then I had read uh, a piece by Doug Wilson, a, a game designer um, in which he described something that's called the eggplant run, which we don't need to get into here. But it was an essay that it convinced me, oh, that's really fascinating. That's a weird way to to play that game. I'm going to stream myself learning the game. And that was the whole pitch um, on the mm-hmm. Spelunky stream was like, I want people to watch someone go through the process of learning how to play a video game. And I'm it's, I I don't, I didn't like this game. I'm going to be frustrated by this game. We're going to go on that journey together. And, uh, with Spelunky, I, so there are two ways to beat that game. There's like a, you know, you uh, beat Olmec, who is the, the big sort of, uh, guy who, uh, big rock that kind of stomps through the, the ground. And then there is a secret hell section that you can get through if you accomplish certain tasks and both those give you an ending. Um, And when I did both of those, um, actually, if I remember correctly, if we can bring this whole conversation full circle, (laughs) Jeff, I remember when I was supposed to be on DLC the first time, or I did some podcast with you, I want to say it was you, where I was streaming Spelunky Up until the moment that I had to be on the podcast. (laughs) I remember that. I remember that. That's not like I'm not yeah, I I feel like that's true. And I remember that. It was one of the best runs I had. had. And I was like, oh no, (laughs) I think I might beat this game. And I think I like was missing. No, we were watching
0: you I was we were watching stream, I was like, you. Can someone
2: yell at Jeff and tell him, like, yes. I'm not ditching him. Like, I just have yeah. to see this through. And I'm sorry that I'm going to be late. And I know he streams this live, but what am I supposed to do here?
0: And I remember that that was so funny. We, I had yes, I was alerted on Twitter by by <laughs> people like Patrick's going to be late, and then I and then I tuned in, and then we were all watching you go.
2: It was great. And uh, and so that was an end state to me for for Spelunky. And i I played it a little bit afterwards. I did a couple of the achievements. Um where, like, I did one called Speed Lunky, where you beat the game in under five minutes or something like that, and eventually I just kind of petered out. I was like, cool, I did it. Like, I saw the ending. Like, I feel a sense of uh, closure and, and completeness with this. Um, and then with Mario Maker, it's on an individual level, right? Like, I love putting in front of me an obstacle that, you know, this was the, the source of my rivalry with, you know, like, WWE's Dan Reichert, uh, now, I suppose. <laughs> oh wow, um, yeah, so true. Um, in which... Uh, I, you know, the, the reason him and I had so much fun together was like his whole thing was like, you know, screw this guy. Like, I'm going to find I'm going to build the biggest wall possible and he is not going to be able to scale it. And for me, it was like, yeah, dude, I I will find a way to poke a hole in that wall and I will I will get through it. I don't know if I'll climb it, but I might go around it um, or I might go through it. And so for me with Mario Maker, that's always the thing is trusting that I have played so many of these games that I can scale over whatever level is put in front of me. And so, you're right that like beating a level is not like a you know, roll credits, but I consider that to be like mini roll credits on any number of those like individual uh levels. And so, that's the the drive for me is like just constantly finding something that surprises my brain and my fingers. Um and uh but I would also admit that uh with those games, I don't know that I've played thousands of hours of Mario Maker. If it was just me at home it would be dozens. It would not be hundreds. It would not be thousands. A huge part of the appeal of playing Spelunky, even playing Souls games, um, um, is doing it with a community. I think that's just so much fun. And especially it also, it mitigates the frustration because you're doing it with an audience. And it's like, let's all laugh. Let's all, you know, take a swig out of our beer, whatever the case, you know, whatever the case may be, whatever your coping mechanism is like, let's do that all together. Cause I don't know that I would do it at home because I have a much lower threshold for, you know, this is true pre having a child. It's even more true after having a child in which like your time is precious. And I don't know that I would be spending, dozens of hours on a level that was made to make me mad if I wasn't doing it <laughs> in front of an audience that I was entertaining and so I think right. the law lo- like the what I've arrived at in this long answer to your question is that were I not streaming I don't know that I would also be doing those things and I would I would equivalent it uh, uh, make it more equivalent to a pinball game in which it was a high score but when I do it with a community it's it's this big circus that we all get into together and it's like mini adventure as we go on along the way
1: all I heard was a challenge for me to buy you and myself uh, maybe kiss pinball, find a table, <laughs> and I'm going to challenge you to high scores every every day. day. I'm playing against p- someone, right? You're
2: my end state then, right? Like you're my end credit. It's like I need to crush you and beat you, and then I'm good. I can walk away with closure. If I'm just playing against G – F, you know, B on the, on the you know, CX, let's not yeah. get ourselves, yeah. <laughs> you know, if it's, if I'm just playing against my, you know, my own high score or some random person, um, on a machine that just doesn't, there's a personal action, a uh, personal element that, that does it for me. And that's either that's a community that I'm with, or it's you and me, you know, playing on a machine together. Like then I, you become my end credits, um, <laughs> as, I, as I try to
1: beat you, It sounded way more, vicious than i that i know so <laughs> to 2020 that's 2020s jerry maguire you know said <laughs> if you complete me you're my end credits <laughs> if they remade the movie it would probably that would be the line you would update amazing my only other thing jeff and this is just it's a literally just a quickie uh it was pokemon day and pokemon introduced uh uh me too raids and at the time i was like i'm gonna do that and not knowing it was like the hardest raid ever in any pokemon game and i also thought that it was capturable that you and you can't and i wouldn't have anyway because i got my butt kicked a whole 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 bunch happy related pokemon day everybody i love that game
0: cool well uh, my playlist, uh, has a bunch of stuff that I've been talking about for weeks. So I'll just jump to the new thing, which is that despite my best efforts, I couldn't resist buying myself Wilson, uh, <laughs> which is like, it's so uh, predictable. I mean, it's basically like, Oh, Diablo four is not out. I guess I'll play Wilson. Uh, it's actually closer, maybe closer to path of exile than it even is to Diablo, but it is scratching that itch of a game that is. So obviously something I'm going to like and so obviously something that I'll sit down and start playing for, you know, I I got a half an hour I can play. And then it's like, you know, an hour and a half later and oh, I was supposed to wake up my son from his nap and I didn't do it. That You know, that's that's the kind of game it is where it's just it it is. um, I know a lot of people have complained about that game as far as the online bugginess of it. I have yet to even play it online. I am completely playing it as a solo game so far. And really digging it. It's really pretty. I think it looks great. It's on CryEngine, uh, but it is, you know, uh, top-down isometric, which is my favorite kind of video game view, and uh, lots of detail. I've cranked the settings all up, and it's just, it supports ultra-wide. It just, it looks great, and the spell effects are awesome. Um, I'm, like, going full Spellcaster You know, and it's, it's, you know, tons of enemies is very much Diablo, tons of enemies. Sometimes there are special ones that have uh, adjectives attached to their names that do things in a different way. And you're getting better loot and you're moving through what is really not that great a story, but it doesn't matter (laughs) because the moment to moment is so much fun. Yeah, exactly. Um, And, uh, and I'm digging it. I mean, it's very predictably my jam uh, and I'm playing a whole lot of it. It does have that path of exile problem, which a lot of people don't think of as a problem, pe- think of as a as a asset. But for me, is is very overwhelming. Which is, you know, you you look at this the skill tree, and it is this oh. massive map of interconnected flowchart that I just. S- is...
2: I, I saw on Reddit like the most recent like Path of Exile update, and people were just salivating over like how far it went out, and I was like, you could not make me want to run away and i like diablo yes quite or diablo you know like and i was like but that 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 scares me i don't i I would then have to spend six hours watching youtube videos of like i want to make a barbarian which ones do i click to make the barbarian
0: i i this is exactly what i wanted to talk about and i know it's not a a new observation a lot of people have said this but i think there's a big problem with video games in general, we've gotten to the point where, I mean, I turn on Wilson and the way I like playing these games because I'm old. And that's the way I played when there wasn't an internet is I like going, Oh, that's an interesting skill. I'll click it. Okay. I got that one now. Oh, what's next. Ooh, that's an interesting choice. This one or that one. Okay. I'll take that one. But that's not really how video games are made anymore. And I, there's a problem, it seems to me, with this idea of something that presents itself and immediately I do not have contextual information required to make the most basic decisions immediately. Like, it's one thing if you get deep into a game and you go, oh, you know, there's some some big stuff now to to figure out. Maybe I'll think about it or consult the internet. But it seems like, you know, right at the start... I have to I'm overwhelmed and I have to <laughs> read, you know, delve into subreddits and websites and stuff just to make the even the most beginner decisions or just don't. Or just I mean that's my solution is I just don't. But I also feel like the game is is designed with that layer in mind. Like that's that's what the game assumes is that you are going to commit to that level of understanding of its systems and want that. and that, Or you're going to do is, a run
2: where you do it for five hours, realize like, oh, the build I actually wanted with this, cool, I'm right. going to start over and I mean, I'm sure there's a sentiment that can be shared among, you know, all of us where it's like, the games that are made these days boy, like junior high, high school me like staying up, having summers would have been, I mean, just spoiled. Oh yeah. Spoiled like, oh, you yeah. know, the, I didn't get to you know 99 hours 99 minutes 99 seconds of final fantasy 7 because i wanted to it's because like <laughs> that's the game i had and i needed right. these chocobos to get it on so i could get the knights of the round table so i could go fight sephiroth in the north but like yeah i you know that was just that's what i had unless i wanted to take final fantasy 7 to funko land and go get a credit for a new game and like
0: just, that's what that's what you had when you had infinite spare time right. to devote to that
2: and now you have games which are built where like that's it's 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 one of two things right like it's people who have infinite spare time or people who say i don't want to play a million games i want to play one game for a million hours and right you know is people that record podcasts or write articles you know like that's just not the world i live in and so it just it's for i i totally understand your frustration with certain games you're like this should be for me it's not and i just wish i had a couple things that nudged it in that direction because it's not far off for me being able to do it but it's clearly made for. The, these people and like ah, that's just it. It's a bummer to feel left out on that stuff.
0: And I f- I feel like my real criticism is that the game doesn't assume any of the work. Hmm. And and I understand why a lot of people like that, where it's just like here you go, here's all the information, here's all the systems, like here they are laid out. Do what you will. And I get where people are like, oh cool, I have complete freedom. Like for example, in Wilson, y- you don't pick a class. You can do anything at any time. You can pick up any weapon at any time. You don't have to train in swords versus, uh, sta- you know, staffs for magic or whatever. You can always switch. You can always do it, and all the spells are loot, and you can just swap things in. and sw- It's very much Path of Exile that way, and you can craft any kind of character you want. And I like that freedom, but also
2: <laughs> it
0: doesn't assume any of the work in explaining to you, like, hey, if you want to be this awesome thing that we built into the game. Here's how you do it. It just goes, you got to figure that out on your own. And invariably that means study of the internet. <laughs> so I don't know. I I love, I love, I really like the game a lot and I love the freedom it affords, but I also feel like it's an abdication of some of its responsibility to just present its, features present its uh potential to me like you can be this kind of awesome character if you just do these things it it leaves that to me to discover outside the context of the game so anyway but i really like wilson uh which has a longer title that i'm not remembering right now Uh, (laughs) but it is a very uh very fun action uh loot grind uh, dungeon crawler it's very good all right We have had quite a fun episode, uh, despite starting very sad. (laughs) So I'm very pleased by that. We worked our way there. Yes, we made it. We we, we got through together. Uh, And uh, we've now come to the end. We do have parting gifts coming up. So stick around for those. But Patrick Klapik, it's always so much fun to talk to you. Thanks for being here.
2: Absolutely. Thank you.
0: Where can people keep up with you and all your goings on online?
2: Uh, you can follow me uh, on Twitter at Patrick Klubik. You can follow all my writing at uh, waypoint.vice.com if you're confused because it's often called Vice Games and it's also called Waypoint. Don't worry. I'm confused, too. Corporations are strange. Um, and uh, every week, uh, twice a week, usually, you can hear me on uh, Waypoint Radio um, with the the whole crew uh, over there talking about video games and then Sometimes we talk about politics and sometimes we talk about uncut gems. I don't know. They're not paying attention to what we do. So we just do whatever we want over there. So (laughs) uh, if you want to follow all the stuff I do, uh, that's a that's a good place to start.
0: Awesome. Christian Spicer, what do you got going on this week?
1: Uh, Resting. No, that's not true. I'm gonna be playing Warlords of New York the Tuesday this month. Neo 2, MLB, Animal Crossing, Doom. Ori. Ori warlords you're gonna fit in neo
2: 2 that first one i played like an hour and was like this seems really cool and then i looked up i asked a friend who's reviewing it hey how long is neo they're like oh like 65 hours i was like cool (laughs) like delete like like i'm good and i was like neo 2 they're like everything i read is like it's more of neo i'm like yeah all right well that's what should i double the hour count because that's just like a i just won't even Try it then.
1: <laughs> yeah. Cool it real looks. first world problems of like, we're trying to play them all. I get I know, it. I, I know. I, I know. hear you, dear listener. I hear you. Um, We get it. Uh, Other thing. Oh, uh, this is yes. Nothing, nothing important that people can really see, but my daughter starts her second season, her first season of uh kid pitch softball. I'm assistant coaching the team because once it got moved to kid pitch, I was like, I can't actually head coach anymore. So I'm going to assistant coach um i'm gonna tell all the kids to lean in and take a hit you know get on base any way you can
0: <laughs> yeah hey obp that's all that matters obp that's right. I, was, I, that's was, right. I was
2: nicknamed uh uh magnet when i was in elementary school because <laughs> i d- did just swung weird and every time it would just like result in me getting hit it was not a planned thing it actually caused me like a lot of trauma as a kid where people were like magnet and i was like <laughs> That's detrimental to my self-esteem. Like, please stop doing that. We didn't ag- all agree on this nickname together. Cool. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but some might say the nickname just stuck. hey um... Oh. So. <laughs> 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 going back to a bad place well, now we're back at a bad place we
2: started good okay. we, we started, yeah. sorry. It's sorry, sorry. a uh, good uh, place got sad Patrick again. is going to leave this podcast just you know, thinking
1: about Magnet as he goes to sleep <laughs> oh. <laughs> sorry 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 I, I might say I pushed you away like uh, a Magnet no. um, <laughs> uh, I usually stream this show uh oh no that's later nothing nothing really this week I'm trying to think uh, I think that's kind of it it's a weird it's a weird week for me um it's okay to say nothing. It's okay. For that. But I feel like I'm missing something, but I'm not. I don't think so. That's kind of it. Wash I'd your think. hands. Wash your thumbs. Wash wash your hands. Vote. If you're one of the people voting on Tuesday, go vote. Um, if you don't know who to vote for, my recommendation, if you're still undecided, um, my recommendation would be the Washington Post had an excellent thing where you answered questions. And just yeah. based on those answers, it kind of spat something out. And then I would also Most say- Most of those
0: people are not in the race anymore.
1: Correct. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> a rapidly
0: changing
2: evening.
1: Yeah. And then I would say go to each candidate's website that you're considering and and read about their policies. Um and then I would ask your family members what they're doing. Have that conversation. Those those would be my recommendations as to what to do. Um But
0: also read about the propositions and all that. It's yes. very important things that affect your life directly. So yes. you go vote. Don't it's not just about the president. It it's also about yes. all the things that actually affect your day-to-day life in your local community. So
1: wash yes. your hands, don't touch your face. Go vote. I'm on Twitter, at Spicer.
0: <laughs> all of those equally important things.
1: There you go. Yeah. I, to, to, to that,
2: I, I know that you're doing your, your closing thing, but I just want to like, you know, you're, you're making this call to, to action on folks like pay attention to the local stuff. Just to get like a, just like a short example of like, after 2016, when I was, uh, you know, like a lot of people, it felt a, a measure of despair. Um, but I live in Illinois, in which like a solidly blue state. And I'm like, all right, well, not a lot I can do, like our senators or, you know, uh, like, I'm just like, all right, what do I do for the next four years? Just be mad. And, well, you know, we, had, my wife and I just bought a house and we had just had a daughter and I was like, all right, I'm going to start, I'm going to join a bunch of weird Facebook groups and I'm going to start figuring out what this community is like and start paying attention to what's happening there. And one of the big things in the last couple of years was there was a big fight over, um, uh, rights to uh, for trans individuals to have bathrooms that they prefer that they would go into based on their identity. And a couple of years back, like it was like early 2017, not long after kind of everything happened, um, there was a vote for the school board of the high school that my daughter will eventually go to if we live around here. But you know, it's 14 you know years from now at the time that I was um, everything was happening, and it was a vote that where there were people advocating for different positions, but basically they were clustered into groups of like, you vote for this group. We're going to give rights to these people. If you vote for this group, we're not going to give rights to these people. And it was a vote that I went, you know, down the street, you know, to my local area to vote. And it was less than 500 votes. And we, the group that granted rights to, to, to those, to those individuals won by less than 50. Um, and it was one of those moments where it's like, wow, like, okay, It mattered. There are so many things I cannot control. That was something that was within my control. That was something that I contributed to. My vote absolutely mattered. And like, that's where I've put a lot of my like focus and efforts. I helped, you know, like canvas and flip a, the, the guy who reps uh, us now um, was one of the places that flipped, but you know, like who knows how much my canvassing impacted that. But I know that like my vote for those people that just wanted to be recognized and go to the bathroom, um, in a place that made them feel safe, like that mattered. And so like that stuff exists in like every community. Like if you get hyper local, you can find ways where w- what your values are matter. And f- that can matter in a way that doesn't necessarily get reflected on the national or even statewide state. So just, i wanted to share that little anecdote just because it, it is possible to have that stuff. If you look close enough.
0: I think that's great. I appreciate you taking the time to say it. That's awesome. Very, very cool. Um, all right, so uh, as far as me, you can always...
1: plug your little shows after that <laughs> story, Jeff. Feels a little. And so. Dungeon Run.
0: Twitter. I do. Uh... <laughs> um, uh, at Jeff Canada if you want to reach out to me on Twitter uh, dlcfeedback at gmail.com if you want to reach out to us here on the show we would love getting your feedback about the show and uh, any questions or comments you might have any reviews that you have of video games that we're not covering we love getting those as well and uh, we talk about them on the show um, also I have other shows you can check out I have a show about movies and TV shows called the Slash Filmcast you can find that at SlashFilmcast.com or anywhere you get podcasts And uh, I do the Dungeon Run, which is a live play Dungeons & Dragons show where I'm the Dungeon Master making up the story. Uh, I'm very, very proud of this show. I really think it's the best work I've done in my career. And I hope you check it out. Um, We had a really amazing episode last week. It was emotional. They're in the middle of a war between orcs and dwarves right now. Uh, it's, It's spectacular. And the cast is amazing. So check it out. You can find it as an audio podcast, anywhere you get podcasts, by searching for The Dungeon Run. Works really well that way, actually. It's live-scored. We have actual musicians live-scoring the show. So there's music, and I do a bunch of voices. It's kind of like listening to an audiobook. It's really fun. Uh, And um, you can also watch it on YouTube. You can find that on YouTube by searching for The Dungeon Run. Or you can watch us live when we record Wednesday nights at 6 p.m. Pacific time at caffeine.tv slash The Dungeon Run. All right, let's wrap the show up now with our parting gifts. Hey, give us a suggestion of what to do this week. Give us a parting gift. This is your parting gift. Patrick, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week?
2: Oh man, I should have saved my story for this. That would have been. <laughs> I'm gonna point. I, I don't think I can top that. I'm gonna point. I'm gonna point back to that story. That's that's my parting gift. Is you should you should pay. You know, go. Um, do I, Okay. I can add to that. I'll, I'll, I'll find a way to through this is that, um, I used to be one of those people in the past where like, don't, don't go in the comments. Don't like go argue with people. But I've actually found it like very, usually when you're doing that, you're doing with like anonymous people that you don't know. Um, and what I've found is that when I've like zeroed in on my local politics is like, I found the, the groups that are related, you know, related directly to my community, whether it's, you know, the city I live in or the neighborhood or like the wider area, like I go in and like talk to people and like, I will defend my opinion and like, you know, not necessarily like how clean is the bathroom at the Wendy's, but you know um, which is, was recently a topic in, (laughs) (laughs)
1: Um,
2: um, but it, you know, like when I was, you know, having these discussions related to this, you know uh, this school board vote was like going in and like explaining, like, this is why I think this is important. This is why I'm going to vote this way. And I don't know that necessarily uh, convinced anyone to do something one way or the other but i was talking to people in my community like these were people that were going to choose to be active or not be active at the very least if there were folks you know parents that had kids or or kids that you know were, were were trans like they saw someone saying like hey like they're out there fighting the fight and it's one thing to do that in a random new york times story it's another thing to do that in like a a group where i'm showing my face and like like putting myself out there and explaining um like i'm part of this community too and so um so i'd say an extension to that is like if you know you're there are ways to like make your voice heard in like sort of like a comment like fashion that can that can make an impact and that's one of those things that i do in between where i can vote on something is like just going out there and being like a vocal advocate for my values in ways that you know you can't necessarily show when uh you know a equals b but um it does it does feel good to know that um you're putting yourself out there
0: and you knew for sure you weren't arguing with a bot True. so, so that's that's, nice. yeah, that's refreshing yeah. well too.
2: look if we're yeah if we're talking we're arguing about the uh, very specific opinions about the Wendy's bathroom then these <laughs> the bot, you know then we've already then Skynet is here it has gotten very local <laughs> and it has a very specific opinions and we should all just hang it up so
1: um I don't know, absent man. that the, the-
0: those Russians—they'll attack on any <laughs> in any front. You know, that's true. bathroom. Who knows? Uh, Christian Spicer, how about you? Putting gift?
1: Yeah, I well, well, to be fair, Patrick, I told you that I had an upset stomach from the night before, <laughs> so I think this is a little personal way to bring this up. Um, you know,
2: we're you so, know. Christian. We're supposed to keep the that's in the Facebook group, and we're not supposed <laughs> oh, sorry, to keep uh, it not. into the open.
1: Like this is part of the part of the part of the agreement. <laughs> my bad. My bad. My bad. Um, one. Uh, if you listen to the show, you know, I typically suggest comic books after they kind of come out in a a trade or a nice collection and you can get them. Um, But a a book and a friend and he's written on mortal Kombat and in games and stuff like that. But heart attack is a book that Sean Kittleson is writing and issue four uh, really impressed me uh, and, and kind of where it picked up from issue three. So, i will probably, I'm going to just say that and I'll probably talk about it again after the first collection comes out. Cause that's when I really like to talk about comic books, but it was real nice. It was, it was really, really fun. And it got me thinking about my own um, preference for binge consuming things and having, you know, serialized releases and how I prefer, why I prefer one over the other, but also why I don't self serialize when stuff comes out in bingeable formats. So it, it, it Triggered this larger thought And conversation in my head um, But Heart Attack issue 4 I thought It really really blew me away and the one that I, I will spend more time on and Jeff and I think we have different Opinions on this but I am so enjoying McMillions on HBO It's a docu-series about How um, the McDonald's Monopoly game that we all Know and love or us olds know and love uh, From the 80s and 90s was Was rigged for that Entire time um by the mob and that's kind of the log line so i'm not spoiling anything really but i i i find it engrossing i find the storyline they're telling compelling i both love and hate the the characters like the actual people there's this woman who uh i her face is a every moment is a gifable moment like <laughs> i i want her reactions i can just literally i can reply to any of my wife's texts with like some face that this this woman gives on the show. Um, and I, maybe because I played that, like my family and I, you know, would be like camping or like road tripping and we'd go and like, we would purposefully go to McDonald's when the Monopoly game was happening. Maybe it holds a special place in my heart. All I need now is a docu-series about the Denny's hologram baseball cards. Oh, Ooh, I loved those things. Um, but yeah, I, I, I know that you said you, you found it a little grating, but, uh, HBO's McMillions, the docu-series, I, I find it really charming and fun.
0: Yeah, I, I don't want to yuck your yum, but, No, no, uh, you
1: not at all. I, I mean, I it is. That, I agree with I, those points. <laughs> it is. I
0: think the I think the the story is fascinating. I think the filmmaking of the documentary is not to my not to my taste.
2: Yeah, I, I, find I, it I I was with Jeff. I've 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 heard that the the that FBI agent they get fixated on, the dude that they cannot turn the camera away from goes away as it went on, but like I watched the first two episodes when I had the flu and I was like, "Cool, yeah. Yeah, I get it." Like he's a goofball ha, ha 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 like come let's move on to the actual interesting part of the story but i've i've heard yeah. he goes away as it as it moves forward so eventually i'll try and watch the, the rest of it because i did watch well, the first two but and um, you
1: get the coloring of him from everybody else which i find fascinating where it's like some people really love him other people are like you know it, no, no, we, we got here because uh anyway it was a good case and you're <laughs> it's like there's a story within a story of all these people it's, it's and and of course uh, i guess another thing i should say is like Part of the reason this is a, air quote, new story that they're telling now is that this case, the trial, happened right around uh, 9-11. So, I mean, it's a real thing that happened. It just happened at a time in our country where- Nobody was
0: paying attention to that. No one paid attention. (laughs) Oh, I
1: didn't realize that. It feels riveting and new, uh, and like a little time capsule of this. Otherwise, it would have been a major news cycle case that otherwise just kind of disappeared. So, here's all these agents making the case of their career, and, um, you know- national tragedy happened it's fascinating
0: well we did get a listener suggested parting gift this was sent to dlcfeedback at gmail.com um forgive me guys for picking this one but i couldn't help myself Uh, Mm. this is real Uh, this was sent uh by abe sawyer abe says uh i don't know if jeff will do this i i i will definitely do this (laughs) Uh, i don't know if jeff will do this because he's the narrator but i enjoy it I would like to share the audiobook Traveling in Space. It's a story told from the point of view of aliens trying to find new homes and who come across th- this planet that we know as Earth. Jeff does a great job using different voices for each person and alien. I know it's available on Audible, but for me, it's a must read. I hope Jeff is okay with talking
1: about this. Yeah, I'm okay with it, Dave. I'm okay
2: with it. <laughs> who sent this it. in?
1: Was this sent in by Fedge?
2: Jeff <laughs> Banata, wow, it's, it's weird. It's
0: it's uh it's Abe recommending uh, the audiobook that I did <laughs> called Traveling in Space, which you can find wherever you get audiobooks. Uh it is it is quite fun. I actually I didn't write the book. Um it is written by Stephen Paul Leva and it is uh I find it very fun and funny. It's a comedy, but it actually has some poignant things to say about uh, our world and religion and history and science and lots of stuff. It's great. And uh, yeah, I did, I did the audiobook many years ago. It was very fun. So thank you, Abe. Rest assured, if anybody wants to send in things about me, I will,
2: I will talk. <laughs> Guaranteed about way to get on the show. Your, your, yeah. your path is secure.
0: <laughs> uh, my parting gift uh, to wrap up the show is um, episode five of Mythic Quest. I'm specifically recommending episode this five. This is that short
2: story one, right? Like yes. I've, I've heard about this. I've not watched the show, but I've heard it's, this is tremendous.
0: The show, Mythic Quest, Uh which is the new show from some of the creators of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, which I love, uh, that is now on uh, Apple TV. Um, I don't find the show good. I think the show is very bad. But episode five is not the show. It's like they stopped the show, and then they made this short film that is exquisite, and then they resumed the bad (laughs) show I don't like. So – uh, and a lot of people like the show, so I'm I'm being um, maybe harsher than some, so maybe you will like the show. What I can tell you is episode five is worth watching. You do not need to watch any other episodes. It doesn't use any of the same characters from the show. It's completely standalone, mm. unique, bespoke thing, and it is incredible. If you listen to this show, you will love it. I know it because it's about video game design, but it's also about creativity and making things and compromising your vision, and it's just excellent. It's beautiful. It's so much better than the rest of the show. I just wish the show was like that episode. Uh, so check it out. Uh, it's on Apple TV. It's episode 5 of Mythic Quest. Alright, that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to, Chris, uh, to uh, Christian Spicer and Patrick Kleppick for hanging out with me. Thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L, Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for making those fun bumpers. Thank you to all the folks in our chat room for hanging out with us in real time. And thank you to you, for downloading the show and listening to us. We appreciate you. Don't forget to wash your hands. and Don't touch your face. We'll be back next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.